Welcome to Race Day Roundup, and I'm your host, Shannon Price, alongside Showtime, Shay McClure, headquartered at Race Day Center, 800 feet from the world's fastest half mile, Bristol Motor Speedway. We'll be bringing you our insights and thoughts on NASCAR, breaking down the previous race, and giving you our take on the sport. All questions, comments, and concerns can be directed to our email at racedayroundup at gmail.com. Shay, this is uh, episode number one, our maiden voyage. Uh, I'm just hoping that we don't sink to the bottom of the Atlantic like the uh, t- Titanic did on this maiden voyage. Let's hope you throw me a life jacket if we're going under. <laughs> at least get in a dinghy or something. <laughs> I hate to be bailing water at this moment. Go ahead. All right. Well, once again, my name is Shannon Price. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about, about myself before we get going here. Uh, I've been a fan of the sport for over 35 years. My first race was in 1982. It was the uh, night race at Bristol. Uh, it was then called the Bush 500, and Daryl Waltrip won, won that particular race. I've been to over uh, 100 races at nine different tracks, and uh, I've been a spotter for over 10 years at the NASCAR home track level. So uh, Showtime, you want to tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, I am not a lifetime NASCAR (laughs) fan. Actually, I only got into NASCAR when uh, my brother-in-law, Shannon, who's notorious about loving to have a little juice on the side of any kind of event, started us off in a, a pool for NASCAR and I joined it because I was married to his sister and started watching the end. Still little, married to, to my sister. Oh, still married. Yes, sir. Right, right. Currently married to <laughs> Michelle, his sister, and still married. And just pretty much just started following the sport from then. That was 1999. So I've almost got 20 years in. So I I have some experience with the sport, not much. Now, I have not. I have been to tracks. What's the track we visited? Is it Rockingham? Yes. Yes, we went and visited outside of Rockingham. That's right. On a golf trip. On a golf trip going down. And then, you know, like I live six miles from Bristol Motor Speedway. Have never, I have driven the track on Speedway and Lights. I've done that, (laughs) seen the Christmas lights, but I have never been to a NASCAR race. He won't go. I I have practically begged him to go. I had free tickets. You want to go? No. Rather watch it on TV. Rather watch it on TV. Great coverage. ESPN does a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Days of Thunder reference there, people. Always got to love that. Um, But what do I bring to the table? I'm a lot. I'm a lifelong uh, fantasy player. I'm a lifelong um, uh, coach. Analyze the sport. I look at stats. So what do I bring? I bring that perspective. I do enjoy it. I do question some of it, and I'll have some ignorant stuff I'll say, and I'm pretty sure. Uh, Shannon will correct me on it because, you know, I am not the true, true fan, but I do love it. I do love having cooler talk. I am an armchair quarterback like everybody else. So I'll throw out my two cents where that's only worth a plug nickel. So uh, that's that's what I bring. And you know what? We're going to start off. We're going to do a few topics every time we sit down. If you normally hear us on your uh, podcast radio, whatever you're using, your iPhone or through your car, uh, you will hear us usually Monday or Tuesday after a race where we'll talk about what went on in a race and our take on it. But we're in the silly season. This is where not a lot's going on. It's, it's very short when we look at off seasons for sports. It's not that long. And we'll be turning around and looking at the Daytona 500 here in just a little bit. So until then, we're going to go over some news and events that are going on, something that's kind of hit us and we want to talk about. And the first topic we have is Jimmy Johnson. Now, I bring this up because me and him have this debate about Jimmy Johnson. I said th- I think he's done. Rocky Marciano, Rocky Marciano. I know. I think he's fried chicken done. I say he is done. 
He is over. This is it. The last gasp has happened. His last championship has been won. Jimmy Johnson is now a ambassador to the sport, making his way somewhere else. And so we want to talk about that because the big thing that happened is that the long-term relationship, what, 18 years? Yeah, 18, 19 years. 18. Well, he started in 2001. Since 2001? 2002. 2002. Okay, so 2002. Since 2002, the relationship between him and Chad Knauss has been the crew chief driver, and that has changed. And Hendrick had to sit there and pretty much give him divorce papers. So we're going to talk about that, what that change. What does it mean? What does it mean for Jimmy? What does it mean for Chad? So why don't you give us your take on that, Shannon? You being a lifetime, we'll say a lifetime. I've always been rooting this 48 on, right? Yeah, Lowe's yeah, nose, yeah. man. <laughs> always bought him stuff said Lowe's nose, stuff like that. I mean, it was always interesting. So go ahead. Tell us. What's your take so far? Yeah, I even had a license plate that said 5X champ, five-time champ. Obviously, that was before he – he achieved six and seven, but uh, um, I, I think it's I think it's a good move. I you know I think that relationship between Chad and Jimmy had probably grown stale. It's no secret that um, during a race, if you ever listen to the chatter on the radio, that um, they were up in each other's faces, and and um, it, sometimes it was quite comical. To, to listen to because they're both very intense. They're, they are both uh, high level uh, professionals and, uh, and when it's out, out there on the line and intentions run high, they can get a little animated, so to speak over, over the radio. But I think this is probably a good change for both. And uh, of course, Chad uh, going over to, to crew chief, uh, William Byron, Think Chad'll be. I think Chad'll be good for William. He's a young upstart, one rookie of the year this past year. Uh, obviously, in really good equipment, uh, he has a very good pedigree. So I, I think that'll be good. And Kevin Mandarin coming over to uh, to crew chief Jimmy. I, th- I think that's also a good move. Uh, Jimmy will have a new uh, you know new voice in his ear, so to speak, uh, on on top of the pit box. So uh, uh, Kevin Mandarin's no no stranger to the sport. Uh, most recently, he was crew chief for Elliot Sadler and the Xfinity Series for three years. Before that, he had, he had spent many, many years at Hendrick uh, in, in other roles. I believe he was, uh, I think he was an engineer on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 88 car at one point. But uh, he's no stranger to the sport. So I think I think Jimmy, I, I think Jimmy's in good shape. Um, does he have another, does Jimmy have another championship in him? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he's got probably two years left. Uh, his contract's up 2020. Jimmy's talked about maybe taking on other, uh, uh, you know, exploring other opportunities, maybe like open well, Andy Carr or, or what have you. So uh, does he have number eight in him? I would like to say that he does. Uh, obviously, if last year's any, indi- any indication, it, he probably won't. But I still think he's got some wins left in him. And, and, and uh, I know that you don't really share that same sentiment, Shay. Uh, that he's he's got a lot of wins left left in him. No, I'm, I'm gonna say he he he's not gonna win another championship. You may be right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, may, maybe. I mean, drivers will win seven championships. Though. That's true. And we always Two. start throwing out seven championships, and we and we go through a lot. I mean, we we're always gonna say that. And he is a great driver, and he's had a great run. But Joe Montana played for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he could throw out there, I won all these championships. Didn't mean a hill of beans his last few years of his career. He still wasn't going to get him in the championship. All right? So let's let's call it what like it is. Uh, this breakup signals the end of a dynasty. 
Oh, no doubt. Probably probably one of the biggest dynasties in NASCAR that we've had since, let's be honest, uh, Jeff Gordon. You know, the, yeah, and and what Jeff Jeff do after Ray? He did win one championship, um, I believe, with uh, Robbie Loomis uh, on top of the uh, on top of the pit box there. So, uh, but but he, now he that was one championship with without Everham. But that was with consistency. And now that we've gone to this new format that we'll be talking about later, it, you, you're going to have to be consistent and a top performer. And probably what you heard over the chatter was a case in which two very intense guys who used to going back and forth and bring the best out of each other wasn't getting the performance either one expected. No doubt. Either Jimmy Jimmy probably was dissatisfied with Knauss's performance. I'm not going to say on the pit box, but the crew. That had to drive him crazy. And Chad was probably very frustrated with what he gave Jimmy and what Jimmy is doing with it. And, you know, I, I look at the stats, and th these are two of the worst years in Jimmy's career since he started. Uh, if we throw out 2001, right, because we throw it out, that's rookie year, right? He only no, had three 2002 starts. 2002 was his rookie year. Well, 2001, he had three starts okay. at the cup level. He had three starts. So let's throw that out. You throw that out. These are the worst starts and finishes for him in his entire career. Sure. Worst by huge numbers in the case of, let's look at his 2002 season. Three wins. Yeah. Three wins, four poles, six top fives, 21 top tens, 27 top 15s, 28 top 20s. Okay. His average starts 14.3, average finish 13.5. Now we circle down to 2017. 2017, I don't even bring up this year. Let's bring up last year. Last year, 16.9 average start, 16.8 average finish. That is Horrid. What's horrid your... for for horrid for a level of competitor that Jimmy has set the bar for. All right, let me ask you a How many points do you get for qualifying? Zero. Okay. It don't matter where you start. Dale it does. Dale Earnhardt Sr. was notorious for being a poor qualifier. Not, not, not in today's NASCAR. Well, today's NASCAR. Today's NASCAR is very important where you start because there's one more body as, as a – I'll give you that. I, I, I'll give you that. There's with, one with more Airbnb, really good driver – I, I, I give you that. I give you that. But we can't, you know, say because uh, he had qualified as good that Jimmy had qualified as good recently. Uh, therefore, he's not been winning races. Sure, uh, when when Jimmy and Chad and that 48 bunch used to show up at the racetrack and they qualified in the top 10, you better look out because they were going to lead a lot of laps. They're going to win. They're going to win races. And so, yeah, the, that his qualifying has has fallen off over, over the last couple of years. But, again, qualifying. Qualifying. 19.2 this year. 19.2. That means you're starting halfway back. Yeah. And your pit selection's awful. Yeah. And and you're struggling to come into the track ready. And then once you're at the track, you really – what, his, his average finish 16.7? I mean, I was sitting there laughing. You were happy when he came in top 15. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And here's what I'm going to point out. You have set the bar. Jimmy Johnson has set the bar. This is where I'm supposed to be at. And he has fallen well below the bar sure. two years in a row. Can't blame it on anything else. It's two years. We're not, we're not going to call this anomaly. We're going to call it a trend. Okay? So you're going to have to blame somebody. Somebody's causing this. Somebody's causing this problem. I think they both share the blame. I think they both do. Yeah. I think Chad Knauss is not bringing – or for some reason that team's not bringing a setup ready to go off the trailer. 
and then they're not working well in there. I don't know how many times me and you saw how many pit crew mistakes or yeah. uncharacteristic. Jimmy used to be one of the cleanest in, cleanest out. And that wasn't this year. This year, they were doing something wrong all the time. I mean, and costly mistakes, costing yeah. them track position, sure. costing them stuff like that. Who's that lay on? That lays on your crew chief right there. I, I mean, I had to be checking out. But then, but then when he did get on the on the track, he wasn't putting up the performance that he was. Even when they would get good stops, he wasn't up there running with the top guys. Yeah. Come on. I know he won in 2016. But come on, he led the last two laps of that race or something like that. I mean, he didn't lead much. I mean, he kind of we, – we, we'll call it – I want to say he snuck in. He got in the top four. He did what he's supposed to do, which is show up at the last race with a chance. And you get a chance in the new format, and all you got to do is win. And right. he did. You're right. The 2016 championship at, at Homestead, um, you're right. Uh, I remember 20 laps to go, 30 laps to go. He was probably fourth of those – of, of the four contenders and i'm like okay it's time for chad to uh dig into his bag of tricks uh and and see what we come up with and lo and behold the caution came out lo and behold carl edwards and joe ligano wrecked each other and jimmy's guys got him out of the pits uh first clean air is king and he held off kyle larson for for the win and ultimately for the championship so so, so yeah, I mean, the last couple of years have been have been tough, but you can't stay on top forever, man. I mean, let's look back over the sport. Dale Earnhardt Sr., Rusty Wallace, Darrell Walter, Richard Petty. I mean, even the best fall off after a while. So you you're saying if I'm a, you're saying if I am a Jimmy Johnson fan, I have to I have to change my expectations. I, you've got to. You got to. So so now we're gonna set up the car to be comfortable. Now I'm not talking about. We went from talking about what fans' expectations are and what Rick Hendricks' expectations. No, I'm, I'm are. saying is that should be my expectation. I'm gonna expect maybe one win a year, two wins. What, what's going to be a good year for you, Jimmy Johnson fans? People who were counting on multiple wins and shooting out in the final four. What, what's your new expectation of this new Jimmy Johnson, the the new and improved Jimmy Johnson heading into his 2020 date with open wheel? Yeah. Well, we don't know for sure whether that'll be a, whether he, he's going to, to open well in 2020. But I don't know. I mean, that's probably a question that we'd want, want to ask Jimmy that we would probably want to bring him on and ask him. But as a fan, uh, obviously, reaching victory lane on at least one occasion this this year would uh, would be nice. Uh, you know, he made the chase last year without going to victory lane. Uh, so I, I would say uh, I would say a couple of wins and and going deeper into the playoffs than he did last year would probably be a real realistic expectation. Well, I would hope he would do a little bit more than that. But I th- I, I would I would be cautioned believing that Jimmy's going to do much more, especially when I believe Hendrick has seen the writing on the wall. The cash cow, the endorsement bringer, is going to be Chase Elliott. William Byron in the background to to add to that. But I don't think Jimmy Johnson is going to be the focus of the team anymore. I mean, I mean you disagree on this, but in a four-person team, there's no way Jimmy Johnson is going to be the focus of the team. And and who's going to wear the pants in that relationship between Jimmy Johnson and the crew chief? Just tell me that. Because before, him and Chad Canals fought over him. And you know it, and that's what made good radio. But who's going to wear the pants in that family? Well, of course, it's going to be Jimmy. Jimmy's going to make the call. Yeah. And 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 – Mendenhall, right? How you say his Kevin name? Mandarin. Mandarin. He's going to be up on that pit box doing what Jimmy tells him to do. 
Yeah, right. Pro pro probably so. Uh, yeah, so 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 it'd be interesting for what I consider a rookie NASCAR top level crew chief to be able to counterdict a seven time champion when he says, "I want the car to do this." Well, yes, sir. <laughs> we'll get on that. <laughs> I mean, there's not going to be any of this. Hey, I needed to do this. I see this is where the race is going, Jimmy. We got to prepare for this, Jimmy is going to be in the trenches and he's going to be reacting to what's going on in the trenches. His 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 mentality in the trenches will be, I need to get to the front. Chad Canales' mentality is, we need to get to the end in the front, not the middle in the front. Not right. You, you know what I'm saying? How can we get ourselves in better position? I don't think in this new relationship, you're going to see that give and take that those two are good at. And, and and let's just be honest, the last two years has been probably the two most frustrating years of both of them. No doubt. And so we've seen that relationship deteriorate. And that's what happens between two competitors who can't compete at that level anymore. Do they have a little bit left in them? Maybe. Maybe like in Mr. Baseball. Jimmy's got one good year left. Maybe he does. Maybe they can put something together. I don't know. I think it's up against the wall. And I don't think Chad Canals going to William Byron is a great move either for Chad Canals. I don't I think William Byron's okay. Everybody, everybody, everybody's in love with that rookie. You got Chase Elliott, he's way better driving than William Byron. Yeah, but let's let's face it, uh, him and Alan Gustafson have been winning races. Why split up that pair? I mean, you know what I mean? You don't want to if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, so you know, you brought up a good point there. Remind me of a quote that something that that Jimmy said. Uh, Jimmy said that in recent weeks that um, in terms of the split up with Chad that. Um, he might have been guilty of being too loyal to the organization in terms of not uh, asking for this change sooner or, or, you know, having this change take place sooner that he was, he, he was too loyal. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's, it, you know, what's done's done. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think Chad will be good for Will Byron. Uh, you know, Will won the, the Bush Xfinity series uh, championship, you know, in 2017 and, he was he was great the trucks as as well so um, again I think it was an off year for Hendrick altogether not just Jimmy Johnson yeah Chase won a few races but Jimmy didn't win any races uh, races Will Byron didn't Alex Bowman didn't win any races so you had you had one team that that won all the races so it was a down year obviously the obviously they struggled with the, the new Camaro. And uh, yeah, Chase got some wins there toward the middle late late season, but most of the teams uh, struggle with the Chevys. I mean, with the Camaro, I, I should say. You know, Kyle Larson had some good runs, but um, but I, I think that was the big thing with Hendrick was just trying to wrap their arms around that that new body style. I see how much push back. I mean, because if you go four a four car team, all cars equal. Let's look at Chase. Chase, 2017, 10.8 average start, 12 average finish. 2018, 11.1 average start, 12.3 average finish. Let's look at all telling. He had three wins last year. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. That's He almost equals the stats of Joey Ragone. Toward the end of the year, yeah. 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 Okay, but here's the big telling one. 11, I mean, sorry, 12 top fives in 2017, 11 in 2018. Jimmy, four in 2017. Two last year. Yeah, this year. I mean, it's. I know Jimmy had a good run at Bristol in the spring. I think I think that's one of one of his top fives uh, so, took took place there. So, uh, 
So Chase, Chase is, Chase's team is bringing a very consistent car. Yeah. Uh, they're bringing a very good car. And actually, his stats have been pretty much very solid ever since 2016, his rookie year. It looks like 36 starts that year. Um, he's double digits, top fives every year. I mean, he 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 is coming to this sport and just pretty much taking over what I say is Jimmy Johnson's old spot. Come on. Come on. You know it's happening. Jimmy Johnson is transitioning into the Jeff Gordon after era. Until the listeners what and listeners that Chase said this for for a couple of years, but what, what do you mean by transitioning into Jeff Gordon's old spot? Okay, so Gordon was the golden child of Hendrick. You know, came on, started winning all these championships, and all of a sudden Jimmy Johnson, who I believe at the time Jeff Gordon owned a partial interest. Still does, yeah. yeah. So 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 Jimmy Johnson came on. Rookie year had a great year. You know, really good. And so then the momentum started building. It felt like Hendrick got behind Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon was the ambassador. He was the shake your hands, the corporate guy. And Jimmy Johnson was this up and coming, hey, look at what we got. Here's our young stud. Jeff Gordon's the guy that goes and makes sure all the corporate's happy and all that. So you had that going on. And I think the transition is getting ready to happen. Chase Elliott's going to be the young stud in which I believe Hendrick's going to be pushing. That's going to really put the most aggressive equipment with, going to put the most aggressive crews with, going to give them a lot of aggression. And Jimmy is going to have to fade into that, that uh, kind of ambassador role. But I'm going to tell you this. It looks like Hendrick is giving Jimmy more power over his own team. Thus the move to a new crew chief. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll work out good. Jimmy's going to be in charge of his team. Chad Canal's going to be in charge of William Byron. Uh, let's call it like it is. William Byron's not going to say anything to Chad Canal. Chad Canal's going to tell him how to drive. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You know, he's going to tell him how to drive, and Jimmy Johnson's going to tell, tell his crew chief what kind of car he wants. And that's the way those two relationships are going to work, and they're going to, they're going to run their own teams. Um, I, it's unfortunate they could not work it out and get – be able to pull the performance out of each other. Sometimes that happens with athletes. You get to a point, you can't pull it out of each other anymore. They split. But I I do believe that it's going to lay on somebody. We can go over all the crew mistakes and put that on Chad Knauss. But the role was all on Jimmy. Let me ask you this. If if this goes back to Jimmy and Jeff days, when Jimmy was winning all the races, Jeff wasn't winning as many races, the, the common question was, well, Jeff, don't you know what's under the hood of Jimmy's car? Don't you know the setup? And and yes, he did. But what we what we found out, Shay, was that Jeff didn't like driving a loose race car. And Jimmy did. So even though Jeff knew what was under the hood in terms of the setup, which is a loose race car, Jimmy could drive a loose race car. He loved that. He, and he still loves driving on the edge of control, loose race car. That wasn't the feel that Jeff liked. So my question to you is, doesn't Jimmy, and for that matter, Alex Bowman and and Will Byron, don't they know what Chase is bringing to the racetrack? Because as you, you mentioned, Chase had three wins and a bunch of top fives. So where's the break, where's the breakdown there? Surely they know the, what Chase and Alan Gustafson have, have under the hood in terms of setup-wise. Why aren't the other three on the same page? Well, because the older you get, the less you want to change. Huh? I mean, I mean, that's just going to be the honest truth. As far as I, I'm considered as a coach, the older you get, the more set in your ways. You know, I can teach a sixth grader how to shoot better than I can an eighth grader. 
Once ingrained, always ingrained. All right. So, so is the setup of the new NASCAR has to be run different than Jimmy likes it? Maybe. Is Jimmy going to be able to adapt to it? That's going to be a harder test for him to do. And it might, it might be, maybe we should look at, has his struggles been because of the new changes? Has he struggled with this new car? When did the new car come out? The Camaro came out in 2018. Well, I'm talking about the new, um, the new NASCAR car, the new bodies, the the un, the specs, the one in which they. I know the Camaro came out, but I remember NASCAR said this is our new Cup car. When did the latest one come out? Was that two years ago? When they put the new body out there and they said this, and people were complaining. Well, the car tomorrow was. Uh, uh, some nine or ten years ago, at least, or so. So we'd have to do some research on that and right. find out. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but for some something in the car, he is not adapting to. Something's wrong at the crew chief level. They have always stayed ahead of the curve when it comes to these NASCAR changes. They're the ones that have always been innovative and have always done. And you know, maybe, maybe also we're not talking what really needs to be talked about. They're a lot older. Canals was putting in huge days. In his heyday, he's coming in at four, leaving at midnight. Priorities change as you get older. Sure. You know, sure. Freddie Couples, when your best golfers, priorities change. You know, mm -hmm. and once you've won so much, once you've been to the top so many times, it's so much harder than the new person to get back to the top because the sacrifices you know you're going to have to make, and they hurt more the later you get in life. You know, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe, maybe the sacrifices aren't willing to be made. And you've got a bunch of young guns, guys who are willing to put in the extra time, willing to sacrifice. You know, Chase, I don't think he's married, is he? Or is he no, new? I don't think so. No, so is that, that opens up a different time frame for him, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, I, I think, is this good for Jimmy? Do you think it's good for Jimmy, this well, breakup? I, I think time will tell. You know, it's, it's such a non-committal answer. <laughs> yes or no? As a Jimmy Johnson fan, quit crying over Jimmy and Chad being broke up. We'll Decide, see. is it good or bad? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> obviously, we weren't getting the job done the last two years, so can it get any worse? No, I shouldn't say that. It could always, it could always get it's, worse. It sounds like y'all are just clocking time until 2020. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Either, either it's good or it's bad. There's no in-between. There's no we'll see. Either you believe it's good and Jimmy needs to be in control of his own future, or them not being able to work out is that last hope that Jimmy had in making it up to the top. Again, we'll see. Here, here's the thought for you, though, Shay, uh, before we move on to our next topic is, what's the likelihood of Chad and Jimmy getting back together later on down, down the road? As car owners? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about, like, in the same relationship, you know, driver, driver crew chief. So I'll, I'll let you... I'll let you think on that. Let's segue into, I think this is a good segue into talking about Kurt Busch. That's another topic that we're going to talk about because we're talking about driving styles. We're talking about setups and, and everything. And as most of our listeners uh, know, most of you have heard Kurt Busch. It was announced uh, this past week. Uh, we'll be going over to Chip Ganassi Racing. No surprise there. That had been in the rumor mill for, for a few months. Jamie McMurray out in the one car. Jamie Mack uh, apparently still going to run the Daytona 500 for Chip Ganassi. And uh, I believe he's going to, I think he's also going to be helping out as a, uh, as a Fox analyst. But anyway, Kurt Busch taking over the one ride, bringing monster energy 
with him. Uh, so go, going from a four-car team, Shay, to a two-car team, obviously from Stuart Haas' four-car team to, to, to Ganassi uh, two-car team. Uh, he uh, Kurt made a quote, or there was a quote from Kurt I found interesting this week, Shay, that from Kurt Busch talking about his move over to, to Ganassi. And, I, and I'm going to read it. He says, quote, I just like a challenge with, with this whole thing of switching and going after a fresh start and having a guy like Kyle Larson, who's going to teach me some things about how the new trend of driving style is going, end quote. I found that very interesting when he, because obviously, uh, you know, Kurt's been in the sport almost 20 years, uh, I say sport, meaning in the Cup Series, Riding on a on a on a young line, uh, Kyle Larson to teach him some things about the new trend of driving uh, driving style. Uh, did you did you happen to see that quote? Yeah, and it comes from an article on Autosport. Uh, it's done by Tom Arrington. It's Bush streamlining two car NASCAR Ganassi team size appealing. Now the quote, yes. What does this guy? What is he going to learn? from Kyle Larson, a young gun, one of these newer people. And he's talking about a new driving style, the new way of winning, or the new way, uh, the new attitude out on the track of what you need to do. Um, however, you know, I, I love going to the stats. So I went to Kurt Busch. Now, I want to look, because I've never been totally impressed with Kurt Busch. I mean, he's been kind of what I consider a fringe, what we used to call in Yahoo, a B player, <laughs> not an A player. A so he, yeah, he's not. So his move, while – while interesting, it's more name recognition than impact, I thought. But then when I sat down and looked at the numbers, if you look at Kurt Busch and his numbers, and, I, and I'm pulling all this stuff from fantasyracingcheatsheet.com. So if we're looking at Kurt Busch's numbers, these last four years, last three of the last four years are his best years in the sport in terms of average start, average finish, uh, in terms of he's been inconsistent when it comes to top 10s, but he's, he's been more consistent here lately. And like in 2015, 2016, and 2018, I only reference those numbers. Because 2017 looks like a blip. He's kind of turned it around. In, in top 20 finishes, top 20, he has finished uh, 30, 30, 30. 30 out of 36 races, he's finished top 20. That's huge. That's a huge, huge streak to have. I mean, I think that's more telling than anything. Only six races he's below top 20. Oh, my gosh. That's a very solid race car driver right there. Well, here's, here's the thing, Shane. I've never questioned Kurt Busch's talent. All right. Uh, NASCAR Cup champion. Mm -hmm. Daytona 500 champion. Uh, used to win Bristol about every time they showed up. All-star race champion. So he's no slouch behind the wheel. No. One of the things that's gotten Kurt Busch into trouble over the years are his off-the-field uh, issues. He's an endorsement nightmare. Yeah. He's an endorsement nightmare. Yeah. He's a liability for a team. But let me let me finish this off. Your question was him learning from Kyle Larson because that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and I do believe there is a driving style, and it looks like, unlike what I said with Jimmy Johnson, Kurt Busch is changing. Now, I don't know if he's been pushed that way because he's not had that early success. You know? And and so he's searching for some, some better stuff here. But what, what I really want to point out, I told you 30, 30, 30. That stands out to me. Those three years, he has finished top 20 in 30 out of 36 races, three years, right? So, but here's the incredible part. Top 10? 21, 21, 22. 
two-thirds of those top 30, top 20 finishes were actually in the top 10. Now, that is a mark of a higher-level driver right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's no doubt. I mean, Stuart Haas, we, we both know Stuart Haas is on top of their game, uh, as evidenced by the number of races they've won during that time span. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I certainly don't question Kurt Busch's talent or his – his result, race results. But but I do find it interesting that he said he would learn from Kyle Larson. Yeah, I, I do I mean, too. I mean, I and too. especially when we've seen Kyle Larson running on the edge all the time and, and just just within inches of running his day, you know. Yeah. So what's Kurt Busch going to learn from him? Well, Kyle Larson was very successful last year, very successful. So uh, let's compare, compare the two. And while I'm doing that, there's another thing in that article that I want to reference here in a minute is they, they mentioned something else that I thought was even more telling, and we'll kind of come circle right back around to it. But let me pull up Kyle's uh, stats right quick. Same right website, his career statistics. And let's look at his last three years and see how he's done in comparison to Cobblish. Uh, well, jumps off top page right here. Ever since his third year in the series, he has been top five double-digit times, which is better than Kurt's done. Uh, top 10s, a little bit worse. Top 20s, worse. But he's in, averaging out a little bit better average finish, average start. So in the new cup, in the new cup, consistency is not as much a key. It gets you to a certain point, but you have to be able to run up at the top when you have to. So – the new format of, of NASCAR is interesting that before it was all consistency. Right. You know, however, now you have to have some consistency to make that top 16. Right. But after that, you have to have the ability to run up front. You got to win races. Yeah. You got to be able to run up yeah. front. And, and Kyle Larson has shown that he can run up front consistently a lot. And does he get as many top 20s as Kurt Busch? No. But. He's taking very high gambles, high risk. You know what? And it's paying off because he's still finishing just as well as Kurt Busch when it comes to the championship. And some would say he has a better shot than Kurt Busch at a championship because of his ability to to reel down some wins. He got four wins in 2017. You know, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, and one of the things I found interesting, too, was uh, Kurt Busch's comment in that same article where he's talking about um, streamlining the two cars. And he was talking about, he says he saw more of a quality of the two-car program with Larson and himself and, and having that transparency among the two. And do you think, do you think uh, Kurt, excuse me, you think Kurt's trying to say that he wasn't getting that transparency over at Stuart Haas with the four-car team with obviously Kevin, obviously dominating the headlines over there? You, do you, no, think you, got, you got Kevin, you've got Clint Boyer, Clint Boyer, Eric Amarola, Eric Amarola. I mean, in a four-car team, that means you need to have four times the amount of resources. It means that you need to have four crew chiefs all talking together. You're asking four crews to kind of work together. You're asking for four techs to all be the same. I think it's almost an impossibility to assume that the consistency, the quality, as you go up, as we notice if you watch The Profit, uh, as you franchise, the more franchises you get out there, the harder the quality is. How do you stay on top of quality, right? Right. So, so the more cards you put out there, the harder it is for number one and number four to look like. So, I don't think it was a knock on Stuart Haas. I think it's the while a four car team brings you tons of resources and your ability to get more tracks. Right? Don't you get so many uh, tracks to to test? Used to. 
used to? Um, but, Did they change that? Uh, yeah, well, NASCAR has eliminated or prohibited uh, testing unless no. it's a tire test. Uh, just uh, so that that back in the day, yes, that had it had its advantages of having a multi-car team there. So. But, but if you look at, at practice times and stuff like that, four sets of data is better than two sets of data. However. In reality, distributing those resources equally among four teams is harder than distributing it very equally against two. It's easier to cut something in half than bring in the force. Take a sheet of paper, rip it in half. You're pretty close. Rip it in force, you're going to struggle, right? So I think Kurt Busch must have felt like he was behind Clint Boyer. And his career's running out. He's the older statesman, and he wanted to move over. Sure. As a, as a two-person team, you know, maybe he gets more consistent stuff. So, uh, what are you, did you think it was a slight? What did you think about? I don't know. It? I just I saw that it kind of kind of sounded it kind of sounded that way. Like maybe he wasn't. Maybe his opinion wasn't being heard as loudly as some of the other drivers at, at Stuart Haas. So, uh, would you listen to him? How can you not? How can you not? I mean, he's a, he's a champion. He's a cup champion. He's a Daytona 500 champ. I mean, he's won a ton of races. Uh, and again, his uh, off-track issues notwithstanding, I mean, uh, how could you not listen to him? Here's one thing, though, that I want to ask you about. How did Kyle Larson, talking about Ganassi, how did Kyle Larson run so well last year and Jamie McMurray didn't? In the same equipment, didn't you find that odd? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, you would think that Kurt Busch is getting ready to go into junk. You know, you'd be worried about that, that Kyle Larson got the best equipment. Jamie McMurray wasn't drawing that good. Um, Jamie McMurray's a, I thought, pretty good driver. And I, I took him way too many times last year in Fantasy NASCAR, and he blew up every but one time. <laughs> I think I started him like eight. And he, he likes to go out in the third stage all the time. It drives me crazy. He'll qualify well. He'll practice fast. So you'll want to put him in your lineup. And then he'll yeah. get through stage two, top 15. You're like, okay. And then stage three, he's like 30th. He's in a wreck. Yeah. Blows a tire. Hits a while. So, um, I don't know. I don't know why Jamie Murray ran so bad. It could have been a crew problem. could have been an uh, – I mean, I, I think a lot of stuff's overlooked by – the crew and the work done out of track at a track on a car and that if you're sloppy there or something it can make a difference a huge difference especially when we're talking about in a sport right now that's really top to bottom it's some micro distance between some cars you know yeah. and you know you're very competitive um and one thing i did want to say and i think i think it's worth noting kurt bush going over there is to him probably an advantage he feels like an advantage. He's going. He knows it can be a top quality team because Kyle Larson competed sure. last year. But I think Ganassi gets a huge boost to Kyle Larson, not from the fact of Kurt Busch teaching Kyle something. Is that finally Kyle's going to have a teammate in the top ten, top fifteen, so, yeah. top twenty, based upon Kurt Busch's record, what he can do? He can be right up there with Kyle Larson. And they can be sharing data all throughout the race, teams working together, pit strategies working together, coming in together at certain tracks. You know, it's a lot harder when you have a teammate struggling for you not to get drugged back down because you're, you're looking for help from people who are not going to help you. And I'm not <laughs> saying you should cheat or collude, 
but teammates do have the ability to help each other at times in a race, and you love to line up with your teammate behind you. I'm pretty sure Kyle Larson didn't see his teammate behind him that often. <laughs> Maybe he has a hope now the one's going to line up behind him a lot or he's going to line up behind the one, and right. so they're, they're going to kind of do that. So I think Ganassi gets this huge boost to a guy who – well, he'll only win about one race a year, but he will almost guarantee himself to get in the top 16 with that win. And it's going to be at Bristol. Yeah. Usually yeah. Bristol. Very and he will make, he'll make the chase. And so now I've seen got Kyle Larson with a chase member, which is huge when it comes right down to it. And you got a guy who can consistently stay top 10, top 20, top 15, can help you out when you, when you fade back in the pack, can, can also get up there and compete. So I think Ganassi made a great move in taking Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch looks like an all-positive move to go over there. And we have said, I, we, we've talked about, but Ganassi's probably one of the few two-car teams that's very competitive. I don't. I see more four-car teams that are competitive, and the two cars get eat up. Like Furniture Row, aren't they a two-car or are they a four-car? Well, uh, this last year they were one. The year before, Eric Jones was over there. Um, they they were two car team now. Obviously, they they don't don't exist at all now. With Furniture Row shutting its doors after the 2018 season, as as we all know. So, but, of, go ahead. I'm sorry, and somebody bought their charter. That was on the news. I, I saw that. I wasn't familiar with, with who that was. But speaking of 2018, uh, and segue into our next uh, topic. Did we get it right? Did NASCAR get it right? in terms of Joey Logano being the, the champion. We all know that he is the champion. There's there's no, no doubt about that. But the naysayers forever will talk about the chase, uh, about the old point systems and so forth, like so forth and so on. So did NASCAR get it right? Uh, let's put it like this. NASCAR put forth the criteria for what it takes to win. Joey Logano met that criteria. Was it an exciting race? Yes. Talking about the, Homestead. Homestead was an exciting race. I, I wouldn't even say the chase was I an agree. exciting. I, I, I would say it was very exciting. A lot of movement. A lot of people all of a sudden getting hot coming on. And, and you saw the true fruition of the race. Uh, I thought when they first put it out, Jimmy and Chad were so far ahead of the curve that they kind of played the game with the chase and kind of got to where they wanted to be and, and kind of, I, mean, I won't say manipulated, but they knew what they were doing. Everybody else sure. is still learning. I think everybody's about the same level right now, understanding how the chase operates. So it's very competitive. It's very exciting. Uh, did Joey have the best year of the four? No. Did he perform at the track on the day that NASCAR required him to perform, and did he meet all the requirements to get to that track? You can call it a four-person invitation-only race with a bunch of, what, 36 other cars running around with you. <laughs> but it was a four-car invitation. He got his invitation. He got it stamped, and he, and he, and he cashed it in. Well, the others struggled a little bit. And you had that feeling that that might happen because we started seeing Kevin Harvick have issues, right? At the end of the chase, I, I didn't feel like Harvick had momentum. I didn't feel like Kyle Busch had a lot of momentum. Remember, they were struggling to get in. Yeah. And I thought Joey had momentum. And I thought Martin Truex might have some momentum. But, you know, it it, it is what it is. It, did they get it right? If we're going by who had the best season now? Who had the best season in your Kyle life? Bush. Kyle Bush followed very close by Kevin Harvey and then Martin Truex. And then we're going to look at Joey Logano. But come on. Bush won way more than than uh 
than Joey Logano. He's consistent all year. He had the best car at most tracks. Even even at Homestead, he finished top five, top six, or something like that. I have to look it up. I mean, Kevin Harvick, same way, right? Yeah. Who, who you gonna pencil in? You either had it in fantasy. You just started Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick. Why you're not? Joey Logano was a thought afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I read that, uh, and you probably did too. That uh, under the old point system, if we were still under the old point system, Kyle Busch would have been your champion in in 2018. And um, and I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. It's um, uh, if you go from Daytona to Homestead, did Joey Logano have the best year? No. You know, it, it was probably Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick uh, right out of the gate. Both of them were strong. And uh, but again, we're not under the old point system anymore. We're, you know, we have the chase now. So you got to get one win or obviously being the top 16 in points there to to punch your ticket to the uh, to the playoffs. And and then after that, um, you got to run up front. You got to win oftentimes win races to to advance. And, uh, and that's what Joey did. Joey got hot. Joey and that team got hot at the right time of the year, uh, which is chase time. And this is the first time we've seen this. Uh, you probably remember Tony Stewart, the, the year that he he beat Carl Edwards on the tiebreaker. What, he win like half of the chase races or something? I mean, obviously, him and Darian Grubb, his crew chief at the time, hit upon something late, late in the season. And just, like I said, just uh, – run off a string of wins there and ultimately led him to the championship. So, uh, so I, I agree. I mean, he, he did what it, what it, Joey did what it, what it took to, um, to win the championship based upon, based upon the current format. Well, and you can kind of look at it cause uh, I love this fantasy racing cheat sheet.com. Just like you said, they, they have this momentum column from last year. So the momentum is, um, the momentum is uh, the last five races, okay? The last five races of the year. He has an average driver rating of 114.62. What does that mean? Uh, I'm not too sure, but it looks pretty good. <laughs> um, I mean, it does look good because, I mean, before then it was like 88.69, 93.79, but uh, – 114.62. His average start was 6.6. His average finish was 10 yeah. in the last five races. If you look at the last 10, his average start was 8.8. His average finish was 8.6. So um, to put that in perspective, let's bring up Kyle Busch, right? They have the same stats for him. So that's always awesome that we can look up stats and compare analysis, analytics. People who hate analytics, you better believe they're, they're real. They show us something. What was what you believe in him? I mean, <laughs> it, does this make Joey Logano a better race car driver than, than Kyle Busch? No. Um, however, it is interesting to show that just like in March Madness, if you can get hot at the right time, sure. you can go a lot further than you really should. Then your then your uh, skill level actually shows you. Um, um, momentum last five races, he's about even. One hundred fourteen point one zero, five point two average start, five point six. Average finish. So those two were running about the best. Yeah. You, you know, um, and their momentum was carrying them into it. So I just think Joey showed up. I mean, I guess the big question is if you don't like the format, if you do like the format, don't complain about Joey Logano because that is a that is a causal effect of the format. Sure. I mean, you will have 
whoever comes in fourth has just as an equal shot as one, two, and three. And I like that. You got to have that. You go and put top four out there. Everybody has a shot. Best, best finish. Cause me and you, we've slept through the. I still remember Stuart winning that one championship, and he just had to finish twentieth. Yeah, twentieth. And I remember even further back than that, Dale, Dale Senior, and Jeff Gordon. I mean, locking it up at Rockingham. In other words, with like two races to to go, a race or two to go in the in in the season, it, it was already decided. Uh, then hoisting the the Winston Cup trophy at Rockingham or you know, or, or wherever. And that's not even the last race of the year because it's already been decided. Right. So uh, obviously Matt Kenseth's championship run uh, in the early two thousands, when he, when he won the championship, he only won one race, obviously that NASCAR, I'm sure wasn't too enamored with, with that NASCAR wants winners. They want people, you know, their champion to, to have won races and, and ran up front and nothing against Matt Kenseth, but he was, Mr. Consistency, and he did what it took, just like where San Joey Logano did this year. That's what Matt did. Uh, he, you know, he was around at the finish for most of the, if not all of the races, and, and he and he finished, not necessarily uh, winning a bunch of races, but um, but but that under the old point system, it you know it awarded uh, and rewarded consistency, whereas obviously this you know this points format doesn't. So, well, and you know what, and they need to do that. Because because you had too much point racing and not enough racing. Yeah. The the overall uh, championship meant more than the individual race. Sure. And I, and I and, and that's what had happened with that new age of driver at that moment, Matt Kenseth and all them. They had gotten that mentality. It's the marathon, not the sprint. Well, that's great. If but for a NASCAR fan in which you're living and dying at each race, it's, it's, it can get a little boring. You know, you want to see the excitement the, where that race matters so much. And they've got, I think they've gotten it right with the bonuses you get for winning and your automatic qualifications for winning. And you've seen it. You've seen multiple winners come out there. We, we was always worried that, you know, that there'd be 18 guys win a race and then have to, how are you going to break that tire? That's never happened. Right. It's right. never happened. You've always got these three or four that have qualifying points, maybe five. These other guys all get wins and wins are premium. And the new bonus points you get for winning has everybody continually competing for multiple wins because it gives you such an advantage. As Martin Truex showed us in 2017 state, I mean, mm -hmm. and the uh, stage points, stage points, all that adds up over the course of a season. Yeah. And that's the new thing is stage points. And let's, let's talk about that format. Let's, so um, this opens up the whole topic. We've not said it. Do you like the chase format? Yeah, I love it. You know, uh, when it, I'll, I'll be honest with you, though, Shay, when it, it was first announced a number of years ago that it was all going to come down to one race at Homestead to decide our champion, I was like, are you kidding? How, how, can, how can you put the whole season on the line for, for one race? I mean, what if you blow motor, but you've you've won 20 races or, or what have you? But after seeing it play out, Shay, and over the last several years, and seeing the excitement that it builds, the drama, just everything. I think NASCAR, I know NASCAR's got it right with this because again, we didn't have this drama. We didn't have this except this excitement 20 years ago when again drivers were wrapping up the championship with two races to go and they were showing up in the last couple of they were showing up showing up in the last couple of races as a formality. 
more so than anything. Now, I agree, I agree with you. I, I kind of like the new format. Here, here's the thing is about the format. And we got we got to start asking ourselves about this. And this is going to be a quick discussion about the chase format. Because if you bring in, is Joey Logano the winner? You're really, the question is not whether or not Joey deserved it. It's whether or not the format's correct. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you agree with the format, Joey Logano is the winner. If you disagree with the format, Joey Logano's not the winner. But has NASCAR got the format right? And, and what's, what's the format designed to do? Guess what? Number one doesn't automatically win the NCAA championship. Hmm. They get a better seed. They have an easier time to make it through the bracket, and that's what we've seen. If you can be number one, even if your momentum starts slipping, you can get to that final four a lot easier than number 16 can because number 16 is going to have to win and win and win. Right. So, so you pave yourself an easier road, but understand – you don't get to coast. You still have to work your butt off at the end, it's what, which I felt like NASCAR wanted that fan experience to pick up. Sure, and the T obviously with the TV deal and and everything, they wanted they wanted more excitement and more fan interest and and, and so forth. So yeah, I uh, I, to, I totally agree with you. And and here's the other thing I want to ask you: Have they got the races right for the chase? Well, I you know for for a long time people have said we want. Not me particularly, but people have said we want a road course and the chase. We want a road course. Or Snoozer. Yeah. Snooze. 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 Yeah. Wake me up at the last two laps. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of turning right. I'm not a big fan of road courses. Hey, we, my favorite, my favorite road course victory was Nemechek running out of gas. Wasn't it Nemechek? I think it was Nadu. Jerry Nadu. Jerry Nadu. Yeah, right. It's Jerry Nadu. I almost forgot. I knew his name. I knew it was one of those guys. I said Jerry Nadu. What did that make you so happy? <laughs> Ron Burnett had him, if you remember correctly. Ron had him in fantasy, in fantasy had him to win the money, and he ran out last corner, wasn't it? It's a hairpin corner. He just stuck there. And Ron went from first to last. Ron was so ticked. I mean, I, I, sorry, Jerry, you're right, Jerry Nadu. I don't know why I said Nadu. Jerry yeah, Nadu. Okay. Yeah. So, so, oh, and, and that brings up a, a great story. Didn't we see him? We saw, yeah, we met him at uh, when he came to Bristol one year when at uh, race night, family race night. Now, <laughs> Shannon has gotten me to go to two of those. Yes. But I will not go to a race. <laughs> I won't go to family race night, but I won't go to a race. But anyway, let's get back to the Roval. The Roval. Yeah, I mean, so for the longest time, fans were we talking about, hey, we want, a, we want a road course in the chase. Well, obviously, Marcus Smith and the, the crew down at Charlotte Motor Speedway made that a reality when they turned – Charlotte Motor Speedway into the Roval, as, as we all know, this past year. And so those fans got who were wanting to road course got one this year. Uh, and it was, I think we all would agree, it was, it was very exciting and uh, drama-filled drama race. So I don't have a problem with with the current lineup, Shay. I mean, we got a super speedway in Talladega. We've got we've Talladega. got a Roval. We got mile and a half. So we've got a short track. Talladega know. gives you that wild card. Sure, gives you like always has been. It, it gives you that fourteen through sixteen. Yeah, and 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 let's just be honest. If you finish top sixteen in points, if you finish in the top sixteen, you are probably the top sixteen teams, and you're going to bring a good car. Um, 
if you somehow got there, like who qualified for the top 16 from just a wild win? Was it Stenhouse? Well, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, you talk about the history because Chris Busher did uh, did it one yeah, one he year. He qualified, yeah. but so, so he that's qualified. my complaint on the super speedways. Yeah, it's it's very it's very I don't, I don't want to say random, but it's very. It, it, it can it, you can get a, a wild card guy in there. But on that, yeah, I like the races. Eric, I Jones, like, Eric Jones with the one the summer race at, in Daytona mm-hmm. and punched his ticket to the to the playoffs. So, uh, so I don't have like I said, I don't have an issue with the the current the current lineup uh, of of racetracks uh, that are in the chase or, or in the playoffs. So uh, what are what's your mindset on that? I like them. I think they need to keep it mixed up. I, we've talked about it before. If you do mile and a half. All mile and a half, it's going to wait too far to one driver. Sure, you, you got you got you have to mix them up. And I like mile and a half that aren't cookie cutters at each other. So they and making Charlotte not a cookie cutter with mile and a half, but turning into a roval was pretty fun. And we watched it. I thought the roval was fun. To watch. Yeah, it was. And I'm, neither one of us are road course, but but it's a fans. shorter road road course, and you got the around, and you had that hard hairpin turn, and then you went into a fast loop and then you yeah. came back around and through and it just it made for very exciting racing that was kind of fun and and gave like different perspectives so and it was it was more family it was more fan friendly yeah I, I believe we talked about while he's watching it because it was all contained on charlotte motor speedway yeah within that inside the confines of that mile and a half oval and, as and opposed had, to being laid out over a few miles. miles yeah and then you have these little spots where there's people that can watch and you had all these different right. car- but you had these great camera angles and i thought they did a great job of coverage and probably one of my mo- more fun uh you know big tracks to go watch so uh well what i'm saying uh road course <laughs> are you, what are you gonna find out do i have a lot of pinion chips do, do i know what i'm talking about sometimes i just don't get the names right that's why we had the encyclopedia of nascar sitting right beside me really Really? Tell me the date. Oh, Marcy, you're going to put me on the spot. Yes, I am. Tear the body going backwards at Bristol for the win. When he got spun across, when he got spun across. And still one going backwards. Senior spun him, was that 95? I think, I think it was 95. We'll have to, we'll have to look that up. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Let us know in the comments. Let us know on the <laughs> Facebook page if it was 95 in which Terry Bonnie went around backwards to, uh, to uh, get the victory. So anyway, as I was saying, I, I like how they do the races. My one, one last thing I'm going to ask you, Shannon. Yeah. And I think this is big. Stage racing. Has that, because that was this year or last year? Was it last this year? Is they, a, this is the second year. That second we, year. Yeah, because uh, as, as you alluded to a little bit, little bit earlier, uh, Martin Truex really, really capitalized on that in 2017 by capturing a number of different stage wins, which helped him at the end of the year uh, in terms of points to, points to, to continue to, to advance uh, there too. So I like it. Some people, some people don't like it. Some people don't like the stage racing. I think it adds for a lot more excitement and because obviously points are on the line and you got to be paying attention. You got to be up on that, up on that wheel during the whole race. And that's, I, I believe that's why NASCAR instituted that. Uh, anyways, it's not only for, um, for excitement, but to, uh, to have fans tune in um, the entire race rather than just, you know, the first 10 laps and the last 10 laps. So, uh, so anyway, uh, um, yeah, it was 95. 
Oh, really? I wanted to do fall or spring. <laughs> of course, it was the fall race. Now, of course, it was, it was under the night lights, baby. <laughs> Even I know the night lights. Oh, well. well. We'll have another podcast about the demise of Bristol. Oh, and, uh, no. I know. And I call it the demise of Bristol. I mean, just the, not as fun racing at Bristol. Yeah, but getting back with the with the track by, that they're putting down, I think they've almost got it down to science in terms of how much to put down and where to put down where – Bristol is starting to be Bristol again. I'm really, really happy to uh, to to say that. So, uh, in closing, any uh, any comments you'd like to uh, say to our listeners before we sign off? Uh, give us a shot. It's going to take us a while. We're having fun. Uh, we're not experts, but we enjoy talking about it. We enjoy discussing it between the two of us. And in the end, we we do love watching the races. We love NASCAR. We love the drivers. We want it to be exciting. We want it to continue. We don't want it to get dull or boring. And don't take anything we say as expert opinions. These are our opinions, just like your buddies. You're sitting around throwing stuff at around the table or watching the race. You're throwing popcorn at each other or whatever like this. It's just two guys sharing our opinion as ill-informed or as, as, as cognizant as we can. So yeah. that's my thoughts. Yeah, and well put, Showtime. And uh, and as we said at the outset of the podcast, if you have questions, comments, uh, suggestions, or anything like that, uh, feel free to email us. Uh, again, that's racedayroundup at gmail.com. So um, just, uh, you know, in part, in part, you know, Shay's been been wanting to do this podcast for some time. Hey, Shannon, what are you going to do this podcast? You need to do this podcast. You need to do it. And so I, I wanted to thank Shay for, for really setting this up. I mean, he's the, he's the technical guru behind it. Uh, I don't know much about setting up a podcast or anything like that. And that was all his doing. Cause he's, he's done uh, podcasts in the, in the past. And uh, do you want to give a, a, a quick plug for your, for your other podcasts that you do? Yeah. I mean, not anybody be interested in it, but yeah, I do. You never know. I do a, a fan, a uh, superhero miniatures game called Hero Clicks. I do a Hero Clicks Borderlands podcast. Uh, we're on episode forty-two, and I say we, being me, because I'm the only one doing it. But I've been wanting to talk Shannon into. I'm glad he finally sat down. It's a passion he has. I'm just here to pro- provide color commentary. And if anybody listens to me, please turn down the volume when I'm talking, because I don't know if I'm giving you that great of an informed opinion. But I'm just here having fun. And I'm enjoying it. So on our maiden voyage. We hadn't hit the iceberg yet, but it's coming. It's we'll have to wait and see. Iceberg right ahead. <laughs> well, listen, uh, thank you, Showtime Shay, and uh, thank you, uh, listeners out there, for, for tuning us in. Uh, we'll get better. This is, like I said, our maiden voyage, our, our first run at this. So for Shay McClure, I'm Shannon Price. Thank you for tuning in to Race Day Roundup. We'll see you next race. See y'all.